welcome to Backstage Noises, the podcast for theatre artists by theatre artists. I am your host, Shakira Wahab, and this is our second episode. Our first special guest is a wonderful drama educator and has worked as, a, as an actor in both the UK and Singapore. It's the one and only Andrew James Mowat. Hello, Mr. Andrew. Hello. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, actually. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. What have you done today? What have I done? Um, taught. I taught the BA <laughs> class this morning. I taught the new BA students uh, intro to acting. And then I've just had lunch. Mm, mm. Yeah. Are you tired? No. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> I'm okay. full of energy and full of, you know, beans. <laughs> Alright, mm. so we're going to ask you mm. some questions all related right. to your theatre sure. um, career. I think, uh, first of all, we'd like to know, how do you first begin acting? Oh, okay, gosh. Um, well, uh, I would. do you mean professionally or...? Mm-hmm. Or like the most first gig? Like uh, I guess professionally I began acting when I'd left drama school, mm-hmm. uh, which was in 1997. So it's going back a few years. Yeah, how that old was you then? how old was I then? About twenty-five. Yeah, oh, 24, 25, Yeah. Counting age. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, so I've just revealed my age there. <laughs> uh, I think a little bit. Uh, I guess uh, my first professional job was touring um, with an educational theatre company in the UK called Actors of Dionysus. Mm. who specialize in teaching, in uh, doing Greek tragedy and comedy. They are a special, and that was my first professional acting gig. Um, Actually, I'd done professional stuff before that, um, while I was at university and also at drama school, but I would say that I was bona fide when I finished drama school, so I would say that's more or less my first actual professional gig, where I got actually paid Mm. money. How about those free ones? Uh, yeah, I've done lots of those. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I still consider those professional, but I guess I felt... I guess what I'm saying is that when I left drama school, I felt that I was officially a professional actor. Um, mm. And when I got that job, I was. I felt that, yeah, okay, this is a new... Um, I guess a new stage in my career as an artist, as an actor. Yeah. Interesting. So what... Made you want to start acting? Oh, okay. Well, that was my English teacher. That's going even <laughs> way back. That that was my English teacher at secondary school. Yeah, I had a big crush on her. I think I might have told you this story before. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, when you're at secondary school in the UK, everyone does drama as part of their English classes, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know what to expect. I was perhaps fourteen or fifteen. You don't know anything at that age. <laughs> Um, the hormones are raging, <laughs> I guess. That's about it, really. That's kind of all you know. Uh, and I remember going to a drama studio. We had a drama studio in the school and not really knowing what it was all about. And I ended up doing a scene from a play called No More Sitting on the Old School Bench. This shows how good a memory I have about these things. <laughs> Um, and in this play, I had to play a German soldier, and I had to have a German accent. <laughs> and I didn't know what a German accent sounded like, so I just made it up. 
And actually, what was interesting was I had I had the loudest voice, and I guess I threw myself into it. Uh, and my English teacher, who I was totally in love with at the time, um, said, "Andrew, you should be an actor." And I went, "Okay then." Uh, so that was the catalyst, I guess, <laughs> for me falling in love with acting. Can you do a German accent right now? Uh, I'm not going to embarrass you by <laughs> doing a German accent right now, no. Uh, I can, but I, I'll need to get back to you on that one. Um, so, yeah, that that was... Uh, okay, so, all right. I did have a crush on my English teacher, but I think what I'm trying to say is she sparked something in me that was already there. Uh, and then from that moment on, I kind of thought, wow, yeah, that this seems like a good thing to do. And I sort of got a kick out of performing in school. After that, I joined, I went to Manchester Youth Theatre. Mm -hmm. In the UK, they have a lot of big youth theatres in every major city. Manchester Youth Theatre is one of the most well-known. I auditioned for their, they have um, over the summer vacation period, uh, they they do plays and mm -hmm. I auditioned and got in and I was 16 then um, and I was in a production of Bertolt Brecht's The Caucasian Chalk Circle performed in Manchester and then I did that for many many years after that every summer we would go and do plays in Manchester and then I joined the National Youth Theatre in London mm -hmm. um, and did uh, until I was in my early 20s and then I went to university Wow. So I had, yeah, I started like many people did. I guess I started like many people did in the UK with youth theatre. And then I got interested in, in you know, amateur drama. So I was kind of just doing lots and lots of stuff because I loved it. Yeah. What will you say, like, the difference between the theatre in the UK and in Singapore? Uh, well, uh, there's a massive difference, I think. Um, there's a major difference uh, it, size-wise obviously I think for example like I mentioned I think every every student at secondary school gets to do drama it's part mm -hmm. of your curriculum mm -hmm. you know you it, it's it's definitely hardwired into the system and I, I guess that's one of the differences education level uh, but also I think there's a huge variety in the UK of various types of um, both professional and amateur scene mm -hmm. is very vibrant I guess mm -hmm. um, I, I guess the main difference is is there's a long history of drama and theatre in the UK whereas mm -hmm. Singapore's history is quite short you know yep, considering yep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having said that Singapore's catching up I think you know in, the, in that sense there's mm -hmm. a lot there's a, always a lot going on so I think there's a really diverse scene going on yeah so, you know, like in the UK, there's a lot of, like, I think they're more experienced, like, as you said, right? But what made you want to, like, move to Singapore instead? Yeah, well, I haven't lived in Singapore, for tw I haven't lived in England for 22 years. So I really mm. not, I don't know what's going on there right now. <laughs> only from what I read in the press and, and what I learn from family and friends. So I haven't mm -hmm. worked in the UK for, since 1999 mm -hmm. when I came to Singapore. Mm -hmm. What made me come here was uh, I I just finished touring with a theatre company and I was resting, as mm. they say, uh, between jobs. <laughs> uh, and I went to my mum's place. Uh, my mum ran, she's retired now, but she ran a restaurant. Mm. Um, and uh, that seemed a good place to go to rest. 
restaurant free food actors, you know, <laughs> yeah, and all that stuff. Uh, and I was I was kind of kicking my heels, wondering what to do, where to get the next acting job. Uh, and I was sat in a cafe called the Blue Rooms, um, which is no longer around, but it's a cafe in Huddersfield, which is in Yorkshire, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was reading a copy of The Stage and Television Today, which is the professional newspaper for acting and theatre professionals in the UK. And they always have a section for auditions and jobs and things like that. So I was browsing through that. And I saw a job advert saying drama teachers wanted in Singapore. And I thought, ooh, where's that? Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea what Singapore was. I've heard of it, of course. <laughs> I'd heard that they put you in prison for chewing chewing gum. <laughs> uh, various things, you know, from various people. But I didn't know anything about it. And I thought, ooh, hello, there's a number here. So I called the number. Um, The number was a UK number, and it was uh, a woman called Julia Gabriel, who runs a speech and drama centre. She passed away two years ago, but anyway, this is back in 1999, Mm. uh, 1998 actually, November 1998. Um, And I called up Julia, and she answered, and she said, are you in a pub? And I went, yes, I live in one. And she went, oh, okay then. Because I was in a restaurant and she said, what is this guy doing ringing me from a pub? Anyway, she said, can you be in London tomorrow afternoon? And I said, yeah, sure. So I got my sister to give me a lift down to London. Uh, And I went for an interview um, where Julia's friend was interviewing potential drama teachers. I said I'd never taught drama in my life. I'm an actor, but I'm looking for something new. (laughs) <laughs> a new adventure. I said, I want to go somewhere new and, and try a new adventure. And the interview went really well. And she said, uh, can you be in Singapore in two weeks' time? And I went, yes. Ooh. So between the interview and this might be useful for your CV and your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, all your job, PDR and all that stuff. So between the interview and me arriving in Singapore was literally the Christmas holidays. Mm. Uh, I had really no idea what to expect. And that's 22 years ago. I didn't know where I was going to, what was going to happen. I just went, go for it, and I did. And so that's, I'm here now. What if it never worked out? Uh, Well, (laughs) I did have, actually, I had another job offering to go to South Korea teaching English. I had to turn that guy down. He'd sent me a plane ticket and said, oh, uh, this guy in South Korea teaching English. So I I had many options. And anyway, I'd said yes to the job in Singapore, and I'd also said yes to the job in Korea. And the guy called me up and he said, are you coming? Here's a plane ticket. They sent me a plane ticket. And I said, I'm not coming to Korea. And they threatened to sue me and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, go for it then. You know, Remember, I was, I was only 29, so I didn't really care. <laughs> um, I didn't really have the same stress and anxiety that I do now about life. Uh, so I just thought, mm, I don't care, sue me. Uh, so I came to Singapore instead. Mm, so if you weren't here, you will be in Squid Game. You know Squid Game, uh, right? Possibly, yeah. I might have been. <laughs> I might have been the squid. <laughs> right. Not the game. <laughs> oh, the game. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so really, I, I, what I'm trying to say is, I guess I came here by chance. Mm, and sometimes mm. in life, that's a good thing. And I kind of never look back. I don't think. I, yeah, mm. I was. I'm here. So yeah. If it wasn't Singapore or Korea, will you think like you will go to any other places? Yeah, I definitely thought I wanted to go somewhere. I, I had this travel lust, wonder lust, I think they call it. I wanted to just go somewhere. I could have 
taken a map and put my finger on a map anywhere in the world and ended up there. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and I think it was that time in life where I just, not even 30 yet, I thought, you've got to go and seek your fortune. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-mm. A bit of a romantic <laughs> idea, but hey, why not, right? You only live once. Mm. Okay. So, okay, okay. Moving, moving on. How many theatre shows have you done professionally? Do you, can you count? Hello. Uh, 72. Wait, you can count? <laughs> yeah. The, I'm now working on my 72nd professional production. Wow. Wow. I've only done four. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So actually, 72 doesn't seem that many, actually. But yeah, 72. I'm working on my 72nd professional production. More than 120 in total. Perf- okay. Performances and... Yeah, mind you, I'm slightly older than you guys, so <laughs> <laughs> just a tad. But I mean the fact that mm. you can actually remember all Yeah, of I keep a good record of everything I've done. Oh, do you like note it down? Yeah, I note it down. I keep a journal. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I yeah, always, always, always have done. Yeah. Okay, so what's the one play that you work on that is still stuck with you and why? Uh, w- good or bad? Um... <laughs> Both. Both, all right. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think one... Uh, I did a lot of educational theatre. Mm. Uh, in the UK, it's called theatre and education. So I've done a lot of... And I, I suppose they stick in my mind more than the others. I don't know why. Mm. I just think it's the, the sort of reaction you get from the audience or the relationship you develop with your co-workers and co-actors. I toured a show... Um, uh, a history show in the UK mm-hmm. and we went to prisons and lots of different educational contexts so I, so I guess that was probably one that I always remember fondly mm-hmm. uh, and I met some very good actors uh, there as well so I, I, I guess that's a it's quite a difficult question to answer but there are so <laughs> many if, if, if I was hard pushed I would say that show uh, which was commissioned by the youth council in, Sing- in not in Singapore in London Mm-hmm. Um, one of the youth councils there yeah. and we toured lots of offenders institutions and schools and things like that and, and that was a great experience yeah yeah a bad one uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet Toy Factory 2013 <laughs> I hated it sorry am I not allowed to mention that <laughs> I'm comfortable with it uh, you know, you know why. I'll I'll, t- I'll explain why. Uh, I love working with Toy Factory. Don't get me wrong, but the director I worked with was probably the most unprofessional, unprepared, supercilious, mm. uh, pretentious director I'd ever worked with. Uh, so, and that was in 2013. It was a musical version of Romeo and Juliet. Can you imagine? Right. I know. I can. Right. Um, for people listening to this, yeah, you can. Uh, the shock is there, real. A musical version of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I was playing the friar. I'm not really musical. I'm not really known for my musical skills. <laughs> it has to be said. Uh, so singing wasn't my forte. Um, acting was more my bag, I guess. Uh, mm. So I didn't really do very well with the singing. So, But the director really was... Uh, I'm not mentioning the mm. name. <laughs> no, I won't. Um, <laughs> but it was a real bad production from beginning to end. It was badly done, badly organized, badly thought through. 
Uh, and in the end, it got bad reviews. <laughs> I mean, expect it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but you know, it it's it wasn't it. You just go with it. I think a bad production or a good production. Sometimes you learn from it. You know, whatever mm. whatever the context is, it's still theatre. It's still not a life and death situation. As an artist, you you kind of recognize these things and you just go with it. I guess, yeah. I think the next question I was about to ask: What's mm. the most embarrassing moment that happened on stage? Was that your most embarrassing moment? Uh, I don't or know. Is there embarrassing more embarrassing moments. I, I forgot to come on stage once in a production of The Doctor's Dilemma by George Bernard Shaw at the Bradford Playhouse. <laughs> I, was in the, I was in the dressing room and I guess uh, I missed my call, missed my <laughs> cue, and I was supposed to be on stage and I didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, it happened uh, actually, that's it. happened twice. Uh, in another, yeah. Uh, in, uh, oh, I know what happened, yes. One of the, ah, I can remember now. So uh, in that production, I missed my cue because I was at the wrong side of the stage. It was an old theater and it was quite dark backstage, so I kind of got lost. Uh, and the second time I forgot to go on, um, I missed my cue. I had to, the first time I missed my cue to go on stage, I could get away with it because it was just a long dramatic pause because uh, it was the beginning of the scene. The second time that it happened to me was I couldn't, I had to go on even though I'd missed my cue. So I had to go on and ad-lib lots of dialogue in order to cover up the fact that I'd forgotten to go on. So I had to make up, in character, I had to make up mm -hmm. dialogue that covered for the last time. I could see, I could see it now. It was a scene set in a schoolroom. Uh, and the play was called Mumbo Jumbo by Robin Glendening. And, I'm, and it's an Irish play. And I had an Irish accent as well, but I'm not going to do that for you now. <laughs> However, so I had to go on and the scene was set in a schoolroom and they're all, um, uh, my fellow cast members were waiting, looking into the wings, gazing longingly at the fellow actor who was standing there looking like an idiot. And I had to, I had to come on stage and just ad lib. And I think I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late or, or, or something like that. It was really lame. <laughs> uh, suffice it to say, the director wasn't happy uh, with that <laughs> at the notes session after the show. I guess that was embarrassing. I do have many more embarrassing moments, but that will take up too much of your airtime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have any like scary, uh, okay, the scariest theater to work in in Singapore? Uh, in Singapore, I guess mm -hmm. the sub scariest as in what haunted oh, or yes, haunted. I guess the substation not scary because it's haunted. I guess it's got a lot of atmosphere. The sub the Guinness Theatre at the substation. Mm -hmm. I haven't been there for a long time, but it 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 it's one of those spaces in Singapore that's rapidly dwindling. That has a kind of vibe to it, mm -hmm. you know. That's kind of has a lot of history to it. I guess, yeah. Have you ever encountered like any like scary stories or like mm, stories? Uh, well, not not just sort of anecdotes, I guess, from 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 people who saw things backstage and that kind of stuff. Have but, you? Uh, I haven't personally no mm. experienced mm. anything like that. They're scared of you. The ghosts. Are scared uh, I guess of the you. ghosts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, that's right. They're more scared of me than I am of them, and I can understand that. <laughs> 
All right. So we're moving forward mm. to talk about you as an educator. All right. So um, what makes you want to be an arts educator, other than the fact that you saw the advertisement? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's again by chance. I'd, I'd mm. never really had any intention of becoming a professional educator. I'd never had any teaching experience mm. before I started teaching, and I and I always think that's a good thing in many ways because acting led me to teaching. Um, you know, when I first came here as a drama teacher, I taught small kids. Mm. And that, I guess, taught me how to be patient. <laughs> uh, if you can teach a four-year-old, then you've got <laughs> it made. Right? Mm -hmm. If you have the patience to, uh, you know, deal with screaming, tantrum-y four-year-olds, then <laughs> I think it teaches you a lot. I could never go back to teaching that age group. <laughs> uh, but at the time, again, I didn't have any expectations about what teaching was. And so I kind of fell into it. And from there, became interested in it in different ways, not just as, but also the theory of education and how, how I guess I've always been interested in how my acting and theater work can mm. uh, inform my teaching. And vice versa, you know. I think there's a mm -hmm. there's, there's sort of a reciprocal relationship between teaching and acting that that I think is a very useful one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess that's why they wanted to hire actors when I first came to Singapore. They they specifically put the ad in the stage, which is for actors, not educators. So right. they wanted that. I guess they saw the importance of that. And I think since I've done that, I've I've learned the value of that. Yeah, you know, in terms of teaching being mm. a bit like a performance kind of thing mm. yeah mm. so what will you say your motivational drive every day that makes you get out of bed and actually teach every day uh, transformation <laughs> seeing students transform from uh, sort of keen and eager and enthusiastic to knowledgeable and competent mm. wow. yeah i think that's one of my driving motivations definitely not the pay packet <laughs> because it's not enough, <laughs> never is. Uh, but yeah, I guess, and also seeing, I guess seeing students who graduate um, go into becoming actors. Mm. Uh, mm. I think that is like, reminds me of me, I guess, when I was younger, it's like, oh, okay, Good. Oh, you, you, you've done that. that. Yeah, you, you've, you've done what I did. So I guess that's kind of a good reason to get out of bed every morning. This is very wholesome. Right, it's very, isn't it? Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, and, and also, and also, like not not just that. Seeing like how arts education can be important for any career as well. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's you may not be an actor. You may go and do something else. But the value of it, I think, is there, and I think that's always important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do you think <coughs> it's like? Um, if you weren't given the opportunity to be a teacher and an actor, mm. um, what do you think you will be doing? Um, maybe writing. Writing. Yeah. Maybe I would be. I would have. I always. I used to write a lot when I was younger. So mm. maybe I was. I once won a poetry competition. Ooh. Yeah. He's a poet. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I used to be called Andrew Mowat the poet. <laughs> I call you that from now right. on. Uh, <laughs> when I was at university, people used to call me the poet. <laughs> that, and I did have some poems published. I was mm. involved in a company in the UK called the Poetry Business. Mm -hmm. So I did write a lot when I was younger. Yeah. Oh, so if probably so not, my, my best friend from the UK, he's a published poet. He mm -hmm. writes in the UK. He's quite 
well established as a professional poet. He teaches poetry. So I and we sort of hang out together and did lots of writing together when we were younger. Yeah. Mm. So I guess if act it would definitely be something creative. I wouldn't be an accountant. <laughs> you know, definitely not or a pilot or anything like that. I would definitely it would be I something know, I can imagine you being a pilot. I'd crash the plane. <laughs> I'd forget something. I'd switch. I'd press the wrong button. <laughs> you know, then that, that would be it. You'll be the only one surviving. I'll be the one surviving. Yeah, Everyone else will be dead. I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I have to explain it all. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess it would. I guess it would be looking back on it now. It would definitely be something creative. Mm, mm. Yeah. Right. Right. So I guess that wraps up the first part of our podcast. So tune in to the second part if you want to know more about Andrew, all the poet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it to your friends and tell your friends to share it with your friends. Remember to tag us on Instagram at Backstage Noises. See you in part two.